especially as kids, the type of understanding and expression that you have most readily available when you're young is physical expression. And to give that type of emotion and expression back to your kids is a way that they can quickly understand in better detail than words and emotions like how you're feeling and how you care about them. Welcome to Startup Dad, the podcast where we dive deep into the lives of dads who are also leaders in the world of startups and business. I'm your host, Adam Fishman, and in my first conversation of 2024, I sat down with Matt Raglan. Matt is an entrepreneur and creator who helps other creators build their businesses. Most importantly, in 2023, Matt started an online community for fathers called Digital Dads that has grown to hundreds of members around the world, including me. He's a husband and the father of three kids. In our conversation today, we talked about the importance of community and especially building community amongst dads. We also talked about Matt's journey as a self-employed entrepreneur and choosing that path to better balance work, personal health, and nurturing his family. One of my biggest takeaways from this episode is how Matt intentionally works to help his kids build a vision that is greater than themselves and even their family, and the influence of Matt's own parents on his values and approach to parenting. This is an inspiring episode to start the new year. I would like to welcome Matt Raglan to the Startup Dad podcast. Matt, it is so good to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Adam. It's great to be here with you and the listeners as well. Thanks for having me. All right. All three of the listeners that I have so far. No, we're, hey, we're don't, growing. Don't diminish yourself and the growth that we're seeing. <laughs> we're getting there. So I wanted to start off and just ask you a little bit about your professional background. This is one of the few times that we're going to talk about work on this okay. show, but tell me a little bit about you and your professional journey. It has been a journey. I'll give you the short version of it. The career that I've found myself in now, and it has been an intentional career, especially over the last 10 years. I started writing, blogging online in 2011. And in 2013, I decided that I wanted to work in tech. Yeah, this was right when remote jobs were becoming a little bit more popular. And so I had learned a lot, self-taught, I guess, about content marketing and blogging. And so those were the roles that I was looking at. I you know, got really close on a few different companies, including Buffer, another one that was really fun to like progress on. They actually flew me out to Park City. It was backcountry.com, which would have been uh, super fun because I'm like really big into the outdoors. We'll talk about that some. So that that would have been neat. But that didn't end up happening. I did end up my first tech job was with a company called Sumo with Noah Kagan. And yep. so Noah gave me my first spot in tech and I'll be grateful to him forever for that. We worked together for a little bit and because I was working more contract with Sumo and it was a great like foot in the door. But then I got an opportunity to work full time at ConvertKit. And so I was employee number five at ConvertKit. I had also been one of the first 500 users of ConvertKit. This was in 2015. 
And I'll always remember joining ConvertKit for two reasons in terms of timing. One was it was right around my 32nd birthday. So it was early October 2015. And the second reason is I started working contract at ConvertKit the day that Pat Flynn's Why I Switched to ConvertKit blog post came out. Mm. And so I had been connecting with Nathan a little before that. Yep, he certainly liked that. I was already familiar with the product and could help with onboarding and teaching new users. We had a mutual friend named Brian Harris. He's a great guy, also here in Nashville. I'm in Nashville, by the way. But from there, I worked at ConvertKit in a variety of account management, support, uh, a little bit dabbled in product management a little bit. I wouldn't claim that I'm a product manager. I wouldn't want to insult (laughs) the actual product managers out there. (laughs) So I was there for almost four years. And then in 2019, I started working at Podia as their director Mm -hmm. of customer success. And I was there for a little over two years. And then I stopped working at Podia at the end of 2020 and started doing my own creator-driven business at the beginning of 2021. I was able to do that because in 2018, I started YouTube channel. And in that year, I published, I think, 65 videos that year, a little over one per week. And I just kept doing, for the most part, weekly videos from 2018 all the way through 2020. So three years of weekly videos, I'd gotten around 30,000 subscribers at that time. My email list was up to about 12,000. I had been selling courses and doing coaching. And at that point, at the end of 2020, I'd been thinking about this for most of the year, even in the midst of COVID, and had decided that my priorities in terms of work, family, personal health, fitness, and side hustle, because YouTube for me was a side hustle at the time. Of those four things, they were just becoming too time consuming, all of them and the way that I wanted to grow on YouTube and you know, basically make my side hustle bigger, something else had to decrease. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I didn't want to take any worse care of myself. So turn any yeah. like personal fitness time or just health time into more work time. Because at that point, I was probably working a pretty solid 50-ish hours a week with Podia in addition to another 10 or 50. So I was pretty often hitting that 60-hour-a-week mark. We had two kids. And so certainly, like just spending less time with family wasn't an option to me either, being less supportive (laughs) of my wife or less around my kids. And I guess you could throw sleep in there as well. That kind of goes into the personal health part. Because I don't need a ton of sleep, but I need a little bit more than like six to seven hours is pretty solid for a night. But to routinely get like five just wasn't long term sustainable either. So that was the tipping point. I worked on my own through all of 2021. In 2022, I partnered with another former ConvertKit employee, first VP of growth at ConvertKit. One of the big reasons, obviously, alongside Nathan, that ConvertKit grew the way that it did in 2016, 2017. His name is Daryl Vesterfeld. We'd known each other for years at that point. And he was running a creator-focused agency. And I had continued to do creator-focused operations and strategy as supplement to my course and coaching income in 2021. So we partnered together in 2022. 
and that has continued through 2023. So that's it in a not too small nutshell, but that's the quickest way yeah. I can get through it. That's awesome. I wanted to go all the way back in time and ask you what life was like growing up. What did your parents do for work? Did you have a stereotypical upbringing? What sort of siblings or situation were you in? Yes, for growing up late 80s yeah, through the 90s, I was born in 83. So I just turned 40 pretty recently. My dad was a pastor and an accountant. He had dual master's degrees. <laughs> wow. And two Both things requires a ton of patience, by the way. Yeah, that definitely was an overlap. And yeah. one of the things about my dad was looking back, he set an early example for me in terms of side hustling and like mm. piecing things together for your family. Another thing that I learned from him was that it's like subconsciously, definitely, but I learned from him that it's okay and even good in a lot of ways to maybe sacrifice some parts of like worldly success to do a thing that you really believe is important to you. You know, we were just a very solidly middle-class family and you know, not to sound old, but you know, things were different back then. You just didn't, we didn't go out to eat much, like, you know, stuff like that. Whereas like, yeah. I think now it's like, man, we do takeout like all the time sure. <laughs> with our family. And it's just like, it's way more normalized and it's easier too, but I do think like there were things that my parents sacrificed because they felt that they were called into the ministry. And mm -hmm. so for my dad to pursue that, my mom, who's stay at home mom, I was homeschooled all the way until high school for them to make very conscious, intentional choices about this is what we want our family to be like. These are the roles that we want to have. This is the impact. These are the values and this is the kind of work that I want to do like, from my dad's perspective that I think like subconsciously was very impactful to me. In addition to that, knowing that my dad also understood I've got a number to hit <laughs> every <laughs> month and every year. Yeah. And to do that, I'm also going to do like tax returns <laughs> yeah. and financial planning. And so yeah. I can remember like many, many times that my dad would do taxes on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then he would prepare the sermon on yep. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, we'd kind of have Friday, Saturday as a family. Like I said, you know, you can get a lot done in homeschooling. So like Friday, Saturday was our like family weekend. And then, you know, certainly church all, all day Sunday, as was tradition back then. <laughs> yeah. A couple of services, yeah. Sunday night service potluck, the whole thing. I'm the oldest of five kids. So oh. just big, busy, fun house. And yeah, not without the like normal drama that can come with having a lot of people under one roof. We didn't always all get along, but I'm like so grateful for what my parents you know, decided to do for us as a family, how it shaped me and shaped all of us. So, and yeah, for my mom to like, lead and teach and homeschool five kids that yeah. were, 
and I'm 12 years apart from my youngest sister. So it was, it was quite a range uh, wow. there for a little while. Yeah, she was running to school for a long yeah, time. She it was. Like. She was. Yeah. She was. Yeah. My younger siblings went to school a little bit earlier. I don't want to put words in my mom's mouth, <laughs> but I, towards the end, she's like, yeah, it's fine. They can go in seventh grade instead of sure. ninth or tenth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, at some point you just get tired, right? So Yeah. I, I well, it. and also like, I mean, this may or may not be necessary to include, but we moved a bunch when I was growing up, but by the time I hit eighth grade, so we probably moved four different cities, you know, six or seven houses between birth to eighth grade. And then my parents have lived in the same house since I was since we moved there when I was in eighth grade in like 96 or whatever that was. Yeah. So the level of comfort that they all had at the point where it was time for my younger siblings to go to school, everyone else had been through like those parts of the school system. Like yep. me, my brothers, my other sister, like is like, oh, OK, well, you know, we know everybody there <laughs> at <Sure>. this point. <laughs> you were the guinea pigs. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So I want to transition and talk a little bit about your family now. How'd you meet your partner and tell me about your kids? She's great. We met my senior year of high school. So well, high school sweetheart action. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to the same college, but they were very close by. So we saw each other often throughout college. And right after she graduated, she's a year younger than me. We got married. And so we've been married. Mercy. Next May will be 17 years. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And so she's wonderful. She's very supportive of me and me of her. She has had a lot of things like happen in her career as well. Most recently, the reason we came to Nashville is so she could go to nursing school. And so oh, nice. went to nursing school. She became a nurse, did one of those intense, grueling, like, what's it called? Accelerated nursing programs where they just teach yeah. you four years of nursing in four semesters. It was, wow. it was intense. And then right after that was done, she was pregnant with our oldest son, Kanan, who's eight. Mm -hmm. And then we've just stayed, we've stayed in Nashville. And right now Morgan is uh, at home. Mom, she runs the home with yeah. those three boys. Ben is five and Locke is one and a half. And so Looking back again to draw a comparison, I, you know, we got married in our early 20s. We knew we wanted probably, you know, at least two, probably three. We'll see after that was like the conversation. We didn't necessarily say like, hey, you're going to be at home. We're going to homeschool. That was many years. <laughs> that was many years ago. And her mom worked all the way through. And so certainly I wanted to support her in whatever she wanted to do. But as we've had more kids and as she has enjoyed being with them more and more, it just made sense for us to structure our lives to be a single income home, even though there are some challenges, mostly financial, <laughs> that yep. come with that. At the same time, there are still some financial benefits as well. Like I know what my friends pay for like daycare and private yeah. school, and that ain't nothing in any place, but especially a spot like Nashville. I will sure. like make one caveat that our two younger kids, Locke and Ben, they both do a like Mother's Day Out twice a week program. So Morgan and Kanan 
do the majority of their schoolwork on Tuesday and Thursday, and then he kind of fills in the other three days. But he's in third grade, and you could say he's a year ahead, I guess. Our goal right now is to keep them all homeschooled at least through elementary school. So then we'll start next year. Then we'll kind of see from there. I think I could have gone to school a little earlier than Mm -hmm. I did if we hadn't been in the middle of a couple of moves at that time. I was a very social child and all our boys are at this point. So I could see like if they really wanted to and there was a good situation in middle school, I could see us like making that decision. But that's still a few years away, even for the first one. So you were homeschooled for a long time. This is something that I never experienced growing up. I went to kindergarten, preschool, like I was not in the house. But I know that there is a growing movement around people teaching their kids at home. And I think, you know, it really exploded during COVID when everyone was home. And, you know, virtually learning was so fraught with problems. But tell me about why it's important for you as a family to do that, to teach your kids at home? Yeah, it's a really good question to ask. And for us, there are a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, we want to have more oversight and involvement. I guess, you you know, with homeschool, you could even say control. <laughs> sure. About yeah. what the boys are learning. Now, yeah, for Kanan specifically, like he passes all the required tests. I can remember when I was a kid at the end of each year, my brother and I would have to go to like one of the local private schools and take basically the grade aptitude test. Right. <laughs> and right. we were always fine. <laughs> and Kanan has been fine as well. So we know that he's learning all the things that he needs to. And the other part of it is, and I can remember this for myself when I was being homeschooled, there's a lot of, you know, lack of a better term, there's a lot of wasted time in school. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's not as much of that in homeschool because it actually, like, I think, ironically, it set me up really well for remote work and Mm -hmm. individual project management. Because when you're homeschooled, it's like, here's the work that you have to do. And when you're done with the work, you can just be done. (laughs) Right. And yeah, it's not like, well, now this is the 50 minute block where we're going to learn math. Well, if you have an assignment and go through these pages and it only takes you 20 minutes, well, then okay, you can be done with that. We can move on. So you can get through things a lot faster. The other part is it also allows for one, not just the freedom of movement, like if we want to travel somewhere, certainly we can do that. Not a big deal. But it also allows for more freedom of exploration. So like Kanan really likes drawing and storytelling and he will spend like hours doing that. Whereas like how much time would he have in an art class if he was at school? Like maybe that's twice a week. Whereas like some kids might spend maybe two hours a week in like art he might spend two hours a day on it. Yeah. And I want to, like, as long as he's getting like the essentials in, the thing sure. that homeschooling allows him to do, allows us to do, is like dedicate all that extra time towards like what he's interested in. So yeah. that's the big thing that we really liked about it. 
Now, it's certainly not all fun and games. I want to be like clear about that because something that I've noticed, and I think you know, I do this a lot of times, is I think most people are much more willing to like be harsh or sassy with the people that they care about and the people that they mm-hmm. know care about them. So like yep. Kanan will get sassy. I may listen to this in the future. Kanan will get sassy with us when he thinks something shouldn't like he's like, I don't care about this right now. I don't want to do this right now. This isn't interesting to yep. me. I don't want to do this. Or like he tries to do it a way that especially with math, he'll like do more math memorization or it's like, no, we have to understand why this problem is answered the way that it is. You're just like yeah. guessing. You're guessing. You're not learning. And like we'll argue about that kind of stuff a lot. And we'll try and say to him, yeah, it doesn't quite work because he doesn't understand the other side. Like if you were at school, you would go to detention for talking to your teacher like this. You would go talk to the principal. And you also wouldn't get maybe like, I know there are some schools that do, but you probably wouldn't get like this kind of attention. And like, here's how if you like guessed your way through it, that might be okay. And, you know, I'm not blaming any teacher on this. Like, I know the teachers have an incredibly difficult job in almost every scenario. And it can be a challenge to teach like 10 to 15 or more, 20 or more kids at a time. So that's probably the biggest challenge that mostly Morgan, but Morgan and I have with homeschooling is just some of the stubbornness that can exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, I can appreciate that stubbornness. My experience with homeschooling was a kindergartner and a second grader during the pandemic, and that was challenging. So I wanted to transition a little bit and talk about a couple of the topics that you brought up. And then I wanted to get into something that is kind of the reason that you and I met each other, even though it was on the internet. So one of the things that you mentioned in our prep was this idea that in your family, and for you in particular, these ideas of outward expressions of love Mm -hmm. to your wife, to your kids. That's really important in your family. Yeah. Can you tell me some more about that? I'm curious how that manifests in your your life. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad we get to talk about it. It's important to me because especially as kids, the type of understanding and expression that you have most readily available when you're young is physical expression. And to give that type of emotion and expression back to your kids is a way that they can quickly understand in better detail than words and emotions, like how you're feeling and how you care about them. And like for my middle son, more specifically, I would say like when he gets upset talking to him doesn't really work all that well now he's only five but this is kind of what i'm saying is like he's only five but he's actually not five until next week in december and this is going out january but if i like grab on to him and like hold him tightly and try and like get our breath to start matching together Mm -hmm. like he will calm down a lot faster than if I just tried to like talk him through it. And yeah, you know, Kanan is a lot like this. I mean, all the boys are yeah. like this too, to an extent that they will respond to physical reassurance more so than verbal reassurance. And so like I'm a physical person <laughs> as well. Yeah. And yeah, I 
you know, respond well to that type of expression. Like growing up, that was like my family has always been family of huggers. We'll give some hugs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was something which I've always yeah, appreciated. And again, is probably yeah. very subconscious in some ways you could say it was programmed in. Mm-hmm. But you know, when it comes to how I relate to Morgan, relate to their mother, I want them to see me like taking care of her physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, but from a physical perspective, see that like it's normal to hug your wife, to kiss, to love on her, to show that you, know, you care. So I think that is something that I've tried to be very intentional and mindful of, but especially with them, like when kids are young, you know, boy or girl, it doesn't matter what gender, like kids will respond to like physical expression more than they will respond to verbal expression or calming. Yeah. I also recently learned that there's quite a bit of science behind this too. I guess when it's like the old skin to skin. That's and, right. When yeah. and and when people hug, it releases a ton of endorphins in both parties. So I think especially for kids, I totally agree with you that like something about giving a kid a hug, that tends to cure all ills. Maybe not instantly, but it definitely helps a lot more than just trying to talk through it. So thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, thanks. So you and I met because, well, first, because you had a really interesting Twitter thread about exercise and maybe your youngest or your middle kid getting up super early and you kind of including him in the exercise routine and things like that so that you could still take care of yourself. But then, as I was spelunking more into your background, I saw that you had started this community for dads online. And specifically kind of dads who have creative pursuits, side hustles, things like that. And I joined. You were very nice to let me in. And it's grown pretty big. There's what probably close to 300 of us in there, maybe more. I think it's very close to 300. And I do think that with the Advent readings, we'll cross yeah, 282 yes. right now. 282. That's pretty awesome. So I wanted to ask you, what was it that kind of motivated you to start this community? And why is community so important to you as a dad or just as a human? Yeah, it's a great question. And I have to give a shout out to my friend, Greg Eisenberg. I think he's Greg Eisenberg on the Twitter X, but he is someone that I've been following for a couple of years. I took a course from him a few years ago, probably during COVID called Community College. And it was a course about community that I really enjoyed and got me thinking more and more about the spaces that we create online specifically to connect with other like-minded people. Now, of course, like this is made really easy in some ways by the internet. You can gather people, but I never really found a good space for it or a good like level of interest for it that I wanted to be a part of. Now, my YouTube channel is all about productivity. I did dabble in some community, like when I was doing cohort courses, like we would do it for mm-hmm. six weeks at a time. But the ongoing community element of it didn't, to me, feel as sustainable personally. And the other part was I never wanted to like have a community 
that was super duper reliant on me being like the star of it. Now, I don't mind yeah. being on YouTube videos and going on podcasts. I do have like some star energy that I don't mind like pressing on, but I didn't want to have a community that was like mostly reliant on what is Matt going to post? What is Matt going to do extra that I get something from? Energetically, that wasn't a place that I wanted to like spend a lot of time in. But when I started having these conversations with dads and a couple of these posts that I had on X went pretty well, it became clear to me that you know, could I do the organizing? Yes. But it was about the conversation and gathering people together that had a lot of like helpful and interesting things to say and ways to help each other you know, through some of the like really interesting like times and responsibilities and changing responsibilities of what it means to be a man and be a father. And also like the type of work that many of us do, like the name of the group is Digital Dads. And it's because almost everyone in the group, it's not specific to this, but almost everyone in the group is doing some type of digital work. Yeah. Whether that's startups, like a lot of people listening to this or just working as a freelancer or working remotely, like balancing all of those things while often being at home the majority of, if not the entire day, is something that I knew all of us could contribute to. Again, like, could I be kind of the organizing voice around it? Sure. That sounded like fun and interesting to me. But I knew that anyone who asked any question would be just as like valuable and applicable as anything that I could post. And so that's how the community like came to be. And yeah, I'm excited to like see it grow. Me too. There's so few, I think, online spaces for dads to just kind of share all the things about being a dad. Yep. And this community has really been interesting to me. I mean, there's a huge spectrum of people in there from all around the world. There's a dad who joined recently who's like in his 70s and he's in there. And you've got people asking questions about like video games and tantrums and struggles with work and life balance. And people are so helpful. So it's just been a really fun thing to be a part of, even if I'm just some days just kind of voyeuristic in there and just right. like reading what other people have to say. But thank you for putting it together. It's been great. And I hope it grows really big in 2024. Yeah, me too. I mean, like you said, the variety of questions and the men that are helping each other is yeah, there is. And I've also been very pleased with the quality of person. You know, the other thing that yeah. can be tricky about community and, you know, especially online communities is you're not always 100% sure if people are who they say <laughs> they sure. are. Yeah. And, you know, even though anyone who comes into the group has to go through an application process, you still don't like it's not like a hardcore vetting <laughs> that's happening. Right. And it's also like it's a free community. So if you're listening to this, like it's free. So come on, come on in. But I'm also not spending yeah. a lot of my time vetting a free community. I only sure. say that to emphasize that the quality of person who's coming in, I haven't had to kick anybody out because they're being yep. mean or they're like right. being disrespectful. So to have like, let's just say 300 people come in over a few months and for everyone to like be respectful <laughs> and kind. Yeah. 
and at times challenge each other. Like that's not easy to find. I certainly can't find that on most public facing social channels that people are just going to be nice to each other. So that has been really great. Very true. I wanted to switch gears for a little bit. And one of the things that you told me is that you are a big proponent of taking your kids on adventures. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what that means to you and, and what are some of your favorite adventures that you've gone on with your kids? Yeah, a lot of times I think in a moderately big on these. And when I say moderately big, that means like a day or two, like say a weekend adventure. I try and take the boys camping as much as I can. And I say that and I'll clarify that when I say as much as I can, that still only really comes out to two or three times a year. Because <laughs> there's still That's a, okay. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, just if people are wondering. But what I enjoy about doing camping specifically, and we also we hike once or twice a month. And so we do like to get outside, uh, like hence my reference to it would have been cool. I don't know how long it would have lasted but it would have been cool to like live in park city and work at uh, backcountry.com. <laughs> mm. But what I love about camping particularly is the boys can help me with every part of that process. They can help me pack equipment for the trip. They can help me lay everything out. We have like little like illustrated checklists. And so like, do we have the tent? And they look on the thing and like, check, you know, laminated, we have, yeah. Yeah, so they can do all of that with me. They can like, you know, they can help me gather wood for a fire. They can help me set up the tent. They can help me you know, cook in a lot of instances. And yeah. so there's nothing that we, there's almost nothing that we do. I mean, even sometimes if I'm using like a knife, knives on podcasts, I can you know, start, <laughs> it's a very visual thing. I can like with Kanan, I can start, teaching him like hey here's how you like whittle or here's how you get like some bark off this like piece of wood yeah and you know, helpful safe you know first use of a knife there's nothing that we can do and then they can help me break down they can help me put things away every single yeah. piece of it they can be very involved with and one of the reasons i love that specifically is because i have a job that for now, doesn't make much sense to them. Mm -hmm. Like, dad says that I have to have limited screen time. Meanwhile, dad looks at a screen himself eight hours of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, I'm making things, but to an eight-year-old, to a five-year-old, one of the other reasons that I started making YouTube videos that I wanted my kids to see, like, hey, I made this thing. Look, you're in it right yeah. there. So it's a little bit more, like, to say, like, I'm writing a newsletter today. They're like... Sometimes I'll even print them out if they're like, yeah, you're not doing it. I was like, I printed this out and they, they don't care about it, which is fine. But I can at least <laughs> say like, there are words here that Kanan, the eight year old can read. And he's like, okay, yeah. all right, you wrote, you wrote this fine. You were working, but I don't have a job where I'm making a thing <laughs> that like is tangible to them. One is the reason that I love adventures besides that. I personally love adventures of the outdoor sort is that they're very collaborative between mm -hmm. me and the boys. And yeah. even like down to the like, you know, 30 minute hikes that we might go on, 
like they both have little backpacks. I was like, hey, you got to carry, you know, we're going to carry water and we're going to carry a little snack. And, you know, if you want to get in the creek, then you got to put some sandals in there. So it's all stuff that we'd be like, hey, do you have everything in your pack? I'll check your pack. You check my pack. We'll make sure that we have everything together. So those are all things that we can very tangibly like help each other with and collaborate on. And that's one of the reasons that I love them so much. Awesome. And every kid has an age appropriate level of jobs that they can do. Even your one and a half year old can pick up some sticks from the ground or like do a little sweeping yeah. or something like that, you know? Come on, look. Yeah. get those sticks. That's, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He likes to like test the fire heat from a distance because, you know, we've talked oh, about that's like, good. fire heat. So he'll get like, you know, to be clear to all the listeners, a very safe distance, but he'll see the fire start to come up and be like, ha. They're like, yes, correct. It yes. is hot now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Very imp- a very important yeah, very job. Important. It's like learning for the, the fire high is hot. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay, awesome. everyone. The fire is hot, hot. Not just hot. Not one hot, but two. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You now have three kids and you always knew you wanted to have kids and you had, f- you know, five of you growing up. What are some of the most surprising things that you've discovered as a dad? It's kind of a lame answer. I don't know if there have been like too many things that have surprised me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really understood how much less sleep I was going to get. I don't think my kids understand. And that's great. I didn't understand as a kid, like how late my dad might be staying up or how early he might be getting up to do the things that, you know, was important. Same thing with my mom. So, yeah, I guess like things that I didn't understand until they were happening is like how consistently like cluttered everything is. Like yes. even when you pick up and I'll like I'll make a caveat and an admission that I'm like not the cleanest person, not the best personal picker upper. It's one of my growing edges. My wife's been working with me. And we've made great progress in these 17 years. <laughs> I don't like things being dirty, but I don't mind them being cluttered. Just, I guess that's Ah. another. It's like, oh yeah, there's stuff on the ground. Yeah, I don't want to do that right now. I've been doing this. There's stuff on the ground. I don't like things being dirty. Yeah, I don't like things being dirty. I'm not a a monster, but I don't (laughs) mind them being cluttered. And so, just how consistently cluttered (laughs) everything is. And the other part... Yeah, surprise, I guess, like, and maybe this is just having boys, but I don't think so. How they're just constantly hungry. Doesn't matter <laughs> if they've just eaten. They're like, hey, I'm hungry. I was like, no, like, they ha- it's like they have to eat at not just, like, normal times, but when they're bored. Right. And also, like, if there's any transition, like, if they go out for a walk and they come back in, even if we just had breakfast an hour ago, they're like, man, I'm hungry. We just... Yep. Here back in the house, might as well eat something. I'm like, no, <laughs> they're like hobbits. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh no, the second breakfast, elevensies, yeah. afternoon yep. tea. Yeah, they would put hobbits to shame. Mary and <laughs> Pippin would be like, these kids, they eat too much. Yeah, so I would say those days, like the little sleep, and I sleep a decent amount, like, but little sleep, <laughs> things are always cluttered, and they eat all the time. Those are the three yep. things. That even if you had told me, I'd be like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't quite know the scale of it until you're yeah, in the moment. No, so, no. yeah. 
So I have two more questions for you based on some of the stuff that you talked to me about in the run-up to this show. And one of those is around habits. Now, you strike me as a guy who takes pretty good care of himself. And you've created some habits for yourself that help you take care of your life, your house, your kids, things like that. But you also mentioned that it's really important that you demonstrate having good habits for your boys. So what are the ways in which you do that? And what kind of habits to demonstrate to them are really important for you? One of the ways that I have really tried to emphasize this over the last 18 months, really since our third child was born, and this isn't for everyone, so I just want to say that at the beginning, yeah. is that I stopped working from home <laughs> once I was ready to go back to work. So summer last year, I stopped working from home. Like very rarely will I work from home during the day. Like there has to be something like abnormal <laughs> going on. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I did that is I wanted there to be, there's a little, little traditionalist, but I wanted there to be a distinction between working Matt and dad Matt. So now when I'm at home, I am just able to be dad. It's not like, why is dad in that room and the door is closed and I can't talk to him? Again, like, I know that was the best option for us for a while. That is like a great option for many people. So I'm not diminishing that or saying that is something that's not worth doing. But for me and my family, it became pretty clear that it was a much better option for me to just be gone for six, seven, you know, occasionally eight hours of the day. So I could, when I was home in the morning and when I was home, at night and during the weekend that I was just dad. Like I'm not yeah. locked in. I'm not locked in a room. <laughs> you can always come talk to me. We can play or, you know, we might be doing chores of course, but when I'm home, I'm dad. And a couple other ways that I try and demonstrate those habits. This might be another one where people might say that I'm cheating, but one of the things that I do is like, I will still often like wake up, early to do a little writing or maybe a little extra work. So I'll be up on my computer. I also like to read in the morning. And so mm -hmm. when I hear the pitter patter of little feet upstairs, now I kind of know when they'll wake up as well. But when the boys come downstairs, I want them to see me reading, <laughs> even if I've only been reading for a couple of minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I read a lot. You know, I'm not, a. I wouldn't say I'm a book collector in the sense is like, I read 50 books this year. But that, like, that's great. But I did read 20, I think it's going to be 26 or 27 books. So I usually go yeah. through like two a month. And so they see me reading. They see me like writing and journaling. And I want to demonstrate those habits for them that it's not. I, of course, I try and be off my phone as much as possible around them because Again, like I don't want them on the screen a ton. And so it mm -hmm. would be pretty, what's the word? Not ironic. Hypocritical. Yeah, let's use that one. That's the one. <laughs> so I don't want them to be on the screen a lot. So it would be pretty hypocritical of me to just be you know, dialed into my phone while they're like, like all right, hold on, kids. Yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to tweet something. This yeah, this is this one's going hot. I got to make sure I apply to to Stu. Shout out to Stu. 
Someone is so, wrong on the internet. Someone is wrong on the internet, and they must be taught by me right now. That's Not right. you. I can't spend time with you. Someone's wrong on the internet. So I do try and like put that to the side. The other thing, uh, and this was one of the threads or posts that you mentioned over the summer, is I uh, like to exercise with them as much as mm-hmm. I can. And that's not all the time, but we go on walks. We'll play at the playground. Well, I'll play any kind of like crazy game that they come up with. That can be a great workout, yeah. certainly doing whatever they've come up with. But also like we have a bunch of like little like kid friendly workout equipment too. So like wall balls that are only six or eight pounds or sandbags mm-hmm. that are only 10 or 15 pounds. And of course, like they'll, hang on a pull-up bar or they like will learn to do burpees or we'll just like we'll carry those wall balls or sandbags around and i want like to do things like that with them and those are a few ways so those three are like having a clear distinction between working mat and dad mat showing them like good non-screen habits like reading writing journaling and then the third one is like involving them in as much like exercise as I can again like I guess like one like little one addition to the exercise thing is that Kanan and I and Ben is about to start next month all do jujitsu together oh not all at the same time uh I would be so proud I would just crush everybody but (laughs) it is cool that like Kanan he's been off a little bit because we have right now we have a rule of only one sport one activity at a time yeah. But he's been training for over three years at this point. Like he started when he was five, then he'll start when he's five. And he knows a lot of things about jujitsu. <laughs> and there's right. some things that he kind of knows a little bit better than me. And I don't push him on it. He like understands things really well. But that is cool where if we're like wrestling, wrestling upstairs, then you can be like, hey, Kane, if I was doing this in jujitsu, like, how would you get around it? And if, if you were trying to hold me back in this way, how would you continue to, like, keep me at a distance? And now, since Ben is starting next month, he's been putting on Kanan's old gi, and they've been going through, and Kanan will be like, all right, so Ben, this is how you do a single leg takedown. You come in here, and you do this, and you want to make sure like this is how you do close guard. So like these are all things that like I can talk to Kanan about and then Kanan can talk to Ben about and Ben and I can talk about that like is physical. So it goes back to kind of that physical expression. It is a thing that strategically like, is very helpful for them. And it also helps keep them safe and confident in a way also. So those are the things that yeah, are all like fun habits and ways that we get to connect and stay together. Oh, those are great. I love that. And jujitsu seems like it also is developing quite a community spirit about it too. So then you get to be kind of part of something bigger than just that individual, you know, sport. It's a community. It's a group thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, I wanted to go and kind of connect something you said at the very beginning about observing your dad as a kid and something that's important to you now. And one of the things that you mentioned to me is this idea about teaching your kids to have a greater vision than just themselves. So things that are outside of themselves. And so I, 
I heard you say something about that related to your dad when you were growing up and, and observing him, kind of him living his life that way. Yeah. So tell me about that. And what do you do to foster that vision with your kids and kind of teach them that there is more to life than just thinking about themselves all the time? Yeah, it's something that was instilled in me early on. And what's interesting is something that I've talked with my dad about and I'm looking to expand on is for us, like the vision greater than ourselves is all like based in our faith and based in Christianity. I said my dad was a minister. And so that being a part of something bigger than yourself, a vision greater than yourself was all like rooted in the kingdom of God. And that's still the uh, benchmark for our family. But I also see, and this is you know, other places that this can be established, like our community was really important to us. And so like there are kind of levels of vision, but all of them can be like there's, and I do think like, and this is something that I didn't probably get enough of as a kid. It was like, there are things that I wanted to do and I would say like I was ambitious once I got to college. Like mm -hmm. when I was younger, I wanted to do well, probably just for like, yes, intrinsically wanted to succeed. But a lot of that was based on the recognition that I would get. And sure. it wasn't until like college and post-college was like, oh, I want to go do this thing because I want to do it. So like a personal vision, I do think is really important because that kind of keeps you grounded. But I think that personal vision and direction being connected to something bigger than yourself. And there are levels of this. So there's like your personal vision and there's the family vision, the neighborhood slash community. I do think there can be kind of a breakdown sometimes between like your neighborhood community and sometimes, especially in big cities, like the city as a whole. <laughs> like I care about what happens in Nashville but I care way more about what happens in my neighborhood than I do like Nashville sure. as a whole. And so there's a level of like helping the boys see like what happens in our family is like just our household family is more important than what is happening to you. And again, like there's, I want to be careful how I say this, like there are levels of all these things. Sure. Like we could spend <laughs> a whole episode talking about like, when do you protect yourself versus like, when do you like sacrifice for the family? There's a lot of like different ways <laughs> of looking at that. So I don't want to make like blanket statements, but when it comes to like, Hey, this is what you want to do as a person. This is how it connects to the family dynamic. This is how like, even as the bigger Raglan family, like bringing like my parents, their grandparents, their, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, like what we all care about. And then, like, how does that connect to our church, to the kingdom of God as like a bigger perspective? Again, like you can bring that back down to like, what are we doing as a nation? Like, again, like there's a whole, there's a whole thing sure. <laughs> about yeah. all of that. But I think that the way that most people and let's say most dads can make a big impact on their families is by establishing like, this is what matters to us. This is yeah. how what you're doing, child. <laughs> can connect and be a part, an important part of what we're doing as a family. And then like finding something at least like one or two levels up from that. So that can be the neighborhood, the neighborhood's great. I think that should be important to everyone. And then like, what kind of civic 
like visions can you be a part of as well? And like for us, that's a church primarily, but it can also be like, we're a part of a good baseball group. We're a part of a good like jujitsu group. Yeah. That you know, like has similar goals and ways that we can connect and support each other. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. One of the things that I also like to ask people is, you know, you've talked a lot about partnership with your wife and how important mm-hmm. that is to you. And it's super important when you have kids. But also, it is impossible to think that you agree with your partner 100% of the time on everything, right? So what is something that you and your wife don't agree on when it comes to parenting? We've already covered the clutter. (laughs) There's difference of opinions on clutter, but maybe there's something else. Or we could go deeper on clutter. Up to you. We don't have to go deeper on clutter. It's very surface level. The other surface level disagreement is the proper way of loading a dishwasher Oh, I, I won't say like who is right and who is wrong, but I would just say like there are disagreements <laughs> yep. about dishwasher loading technique. It's the only thing that we disagree on. And it's just more of a, a type of personality, I think, more so than mm-hmm. a large disagreement is I get a lot more energy from social gatherings and yeah. So I would go out (laughs) at least once a week. I would have people over at least once a week. I would go over to other people's houses pretty often. Basically, I would do something with a larger group or another family at least once, if not twice a week. And my wife is probably like half of that, where she would... And yeah, it's certainly a compliment to me, I suppose. Like she wants to just have time with me. And like when Mm -hmm. we're also having busy, you know, busy schedules as a family and like me working like on the weekend, she wants us all to be together and not like have to coordinate a bunch of stuff with another family. And so that's probably the thing that we disagree on the most is I would probably do twice as much (laughs) as we do right now. And, you know, we kind of go through seasons like this is a heavy season of like being with folks and I lean into that. (laughs) I press my advantage (laughs) where I can. (laughs) Any kind of birthday or celebrations like we're having people over. (laughs) It's a birthday. I get to have people over. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's the thing that we disagree on the most is how often to be social. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. And it is something that I've heard. I've had a few husband and wife couples and teams on the show. And that has come up as a thing. And sometimes it's the opposite where the husband's yeah. really not interested in social activities and the, the partner is and, and vice versa. So I think it's really interesting and probably a, a thing that a lot of people discuss in their marriage. Yeah. And I think like being able to discuss it and communicate about it, like I've understood, like we've talked about this enough and we've had enough disagreements about it. It's like, I know that I have to get ahead. When we're doing something, it either needs to be like, more spur of the moment and it just like sounds good like oh yeah let's go hang out with such and such cool we'll just hop in the car we'll be over there so it's either like more spur of the moment or it's like planned three months in advance right there's very little like hey in four days i was gonna do this like that she's like no no it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) yeah i get it so what would you say is a mistake that you've made as a father i've been thinking about this the communication piece is something that I, <clears throat> sorry, the communication part 
with my wife and maybe it's more of a husband than a father, but it does impact you know, what I do as a father mm-hmm. is the probably the thing that I have messed up the most, either not yeah. talking about something or just waiting too long to talk about it until it's like, oh, by the way, this is going to be a problem tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I've known about it for a month. I think another part of that, it's related is just talking about money consistently and clearly Mm -hmm. and saying like, this is where we're at. This is what we need to do for X, Y, Z. This is the financial impact of this decision that we might be making. I tend to keep most of that to myself. It's gotten a lot better, but Mm -hmm. not being more communicative, which I think is kind of of ironic considering how much I talk on the internet. Yeah. And I talk a lot at home, but I do believe that like a willingness to like enter into conversations that I think might be uncomfortable, like delaying Mm -hmm. or avoiding those is something that I've had to do. I've had to do a lot of work on. It's probably caused me more pain than definitely more pain than I should have experienced because of that. There's a good book that I recommend all men read. I think it's one of the more controversial might be a strong word, but it's a very like conversation starting books. It's mm-hmm. called The Way of the Superior Man, which okay. is like just the title alone. Like I'll tell people that and they're like, excuse me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the title doesn't mean that men are superior, but like right. to be a superior man here are some ideas and I don't subscribe to everything in the book, but one of the key ideas in the book is that it is the man's job, the father's job to set a vision and to like lead and guide the family through that vision. And I think that there were stretches where I've always been very vision driven as a person for individually and for my career. Like like I said, for the past 10 to 15 years, I know where I want it to go. I have a really good vision for where I want to go in the next 10 years. But a vision for the family that I am clearly and consistently communicating and collaborating with my wife on, that was something that until the last three or four years, I probably I'd say like the first 10 years of our marriage was not something that I spent a lot of time on. Like I was too passive as a family leader because I was putting so much of my personal like vision and attention and ambition into my career. And yeah, Mm -hmm. that is fine to an extent because that is, that's been the primary way that, you know, I provide that we like you know, pay all of our bills. So that's all important. But to have like the courage and the clarity and also the ability to like kind of step back from that and say, like, I don't have all the answers to this. What like can we be doing together? You know, to lead that way, that's something that's my biggest, that's my biggest mistake and one that I'm working very intently on rectifying and changing for like the hopefully next you know 50 years 
That sounds like a fantastic question to end on. If people want to follow along in your journey or be helpful to you, what's the best way that they can do that? The place where I post most is Twitter X at Matt Ragland. You can Mm -hmm. also find me on YouTube at Matt Ragland. And then for this group in particular, I have a couple of different newsletters, but the one that you should pay attention to is if you go to mattragland.com slash dad chat, then that's where you can apply to join digital dads. And just as a reminder, it's an application because we want to know more about you. There is not a vetting process unless you're mean for no reason, (laughs) then you will be removed. But I also haven't used anybody (laughs) to this. Yes, it is a wonderful community. I can attest to that. I will link to all of these places in the show notes. So thank you very much, Matt. We'll try to get some more dads into the community. Awesome. Okay. It's time for our speed round. Here's how the rules work. I ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to mind. And then we move on to the next question. (laughs) Great. Okay. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready, sir. What is the most indispensable parenting product that you have ever purchased? There is something called a nose frita. And yes. what it does, especially for the wee kids in your life, when they get all snotty, you know, just look it up. Maybe not a YouTube video, but just look it up. It's a little tube that goes into the nose and it allows you to suck the boogers out of your poor child's snotty, congested. They don't know how to blow their nose. They hate it. It is gross. It will not get in your mouth. There are filters, so don't worry about that. But that is indispensable. I mean, it's gross. But when I think of something that has made my life easier as a parent, just because they can breathe, (laughs) that's it. That and a, a noise machine. Oh, yes. Yes. The number of times people have said both of those things, I feel like they should be sponsors of this show. Okay. What is the most useless parenting product that you have ever purchased? Any kind of expensive toy is useless (laughs) because they just play in the box. And that's, I guess that's not always the case. Like if I got Kanan a Nintendo Switch, he would definitely play with the Switch. I'm not getting him a Switch this year. But the number of times I've you know, gotten them toys and it's just like, I'm going to play with this old thing or I'm going to play in this box or like I'm going to pop all of the little like bubble wrap instead. That's great. What is your go-to dad wardrobe? Go-to dad wardrobe would be some type of jogger like the Lululemon ABC jogger. And then I also like the shirts from 10,000. It's, uh, Love that brand. Yeah. So I like shirts from 10,000. I'm sure I would like their joggers as well, but my sister works at Lulu. And so like I've gotten a few ABCs slid Very my nice. way. Shout out to Laura over, <laughs> over the years. And yeah. then I have this pair of like the only, these are the Nike craft, only Nikes that I've had in a while, but a couple of like artists and designers that I like. So I'll wear these. Some light wool, like smart wool socks, 10,000 shirt, some type of jogger. And that is mostly it. 
That sounds very comfortable. I love very that. Love that. Wardrobe. I also love doer jeans. D U E R. So when I'm wearing jeans, I'm wearing doers as they're a little they're a little stretchy. They're great. So awesome. I'll either it's one of it's either ABCs or doers. Cool. Now you mentioned you read a lot of books this last year. How many parenting books do you have in your house? It's a great question. There's probably like four or five right now. Okay, not a ton. And how many parenting books have you read cover to cover? I will say probably three over. Wow. The first one that I read that I really liked was called Brain Rules for Baby by John Medina. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's great. This was like 10 years ago. <clears throat> he had a great YouTube series. He's a very like expressive, like scholarly gentleman. I like that. I read Stephen Rinella's Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. That was really good. And then another one that I haven't read cover to cover, but I'm working my way through it is Hunt, Gather, Parent is another one. Oh, so those cool. are the three. Another one, I forget the name of it, but it's like The Carpenter and the Gardener or something like that. Oh. My wife read that and really liked it. We will link to all of those in the show notes. Okay. On the opposite end, screen time. Good, bad, or are you indifferent? I'm not indifferent. I think that it is unavoidable at this point, but mm -hmm. it should be regulated and like you can't use a device when you like by yourself, you have to be in a common area. It's, you know, it's time constrained. Now, something that we will do, like I mentioned how much the boys, both the boys enjoy drawing and art is like, and like, pay for YouTube premium, which I do think is more expensive than it should be. But the ability for me to download YouTube videos, even just to the app, and then like not be connected to normal YouTube, but then like, hey, you yeah. can, you want to spend 30 minutes drawing, let's pick these videos, I'm going to download them, turn on airplane mode. And that way, they're just watching those three videos. That's something we try and do. I mean, I think that people saying, no screen time for kids, not think like they should be a certain age. That, that's for everyone to figure out. But to say no screen time, I think is just not <laughs> um, not useful advice like yeah. now and will be less useful. So I think like teaching our kids to have a good relationship with technology is something yeah. I had a lot more screen time than like my parents did, obviously. Yeah. And that's nothing compared to what like, my kids are dealing with now. And yeah. I owe my career to the internet. <laughs> so to like, <laughs> kind of like demonize it for my kids doesn't, again, like feels kind of hypocritical. But I do think like, yeah. just like I'm trying to limit my own self, this is a very rapid fire, just as I'm trying to limit myself in some ways, I'm trying to like teach that habit to them. All right. Continuing with rapid fire, what is the longest that you have gone without bathing your kids? Three days. Have you ever used your kids as an excuse to get out of social events, despite being a very social guy? Not really. No, my, my wife has. <laughs> Which Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks movie are you secretly a fan of? Not secretly, Inside Out. Oh, great fast. Yes. It's a great way to talk to your kids about emotions also. Oh, love that. What is your worst 
kids furniture or toy assembly experience? This isn't quite kid related, but I had a hell of a time trying to like hang blackout curtains in the mm-hmm. rooms and like I couldn't quite get the anchors right or I used the wrong anchors and then like I didn't measure properly. It's all very embarrassing for me as a man, I guess. But like <laughs> they're just like hanging by a thread and like one time kid just like wrapped himself up in it and it collapsed and it's supposed to be bedtime but i was upset because i did such a pissy job of hanging them yeah so that yeah blackout curtains i find myself tightening up just hearing that story you have three kids you live in tennessee what is your take on minivans i'm a fan i'm a fan of the van i wish that i wasn't but they're so convenient and there's so much space and it's sliding doors. I'll say like, I like minivans. I don't like our van because it's still Uh, a little old and the door catches sometimes and like the air conditioning can be a little janky during the summer. So I'm a fan of minivans, but not mine specifically. Sorry, spirit of the van. That's okay. The last time I went to Nashville, I rented a minivan, so was a fan of driving it around in town. And the sliding doors by themselves, like to not have yeah. to like, open it. Try to, like, not oh, yeah. It. Love that. All right. Well, Matt, with that, we are at time. Thank you very Great. much for joining me today on the program. It was a pleasure having you. I learned a lot. And thank you for sharing all of your thoughts on fatherhood and family. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's conversation with Matt Ragland. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and leave me a review. It helps other people find this podcast. Startup Dad is a Fishman AF production with editing support from Tommy Heron. You can join a community of over 9,000 subscribers and stay up to date on my thoughts on growth, product, and parenting by subscribing to the Fishman AF newsletter at www.fishmanafnewsletter.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.